0: What I want to share with you today, God said, build an ark. Let's pray. Lord, you are the healer. You are the one who restores us from Satan's ravages. You are the one who washes us and makes us clean. You are the one, Lord, we worship Would you come? Jesus, would you come and speak with our hearts now? I pray in your holy name. Amen. God made the earth, all that's in it. He did it out of joy. He did it out of his own pleasure. He wanted a bride. But the serpent, the dragon, came and stole his bride away. And then as the corrupt sons of God saw the daughters of man saw that they were attractive, they began to take them as wives. And in Genesis, the sixth chapter, verse 3, Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man or with man forever, for he is flesh, he is corrupt. His days shall be 120 years. And the Nephilim, or And the giants, the giants were on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came to the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. You read of them in the Greek legends and myths. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he'd made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. Literally in the Hebrew, it pained him in his heart. He was sorry he had made man. Because he made man, He gave him every beautiful thing, and out of the lust of his heart, man corrupted all that God had given him. He destroyed it, including himself. Now, I'm so grateful that God comes not just with an offer of salvation, but he comes with an offer of healing also. And finally, verse 6, this is chapter 6, verse 6. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and he was pained in his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals, creeping things, birds of heaven, for I am sorry that I made them. But Noah found favor. In the eyes of the Lord. If the fate of this world, if the fate of America hung on whether or not you are a holy man or holy woman, would you find favor in the sight of God today? Or would He decide it is hopeless? I have offered every grace, I have offered every opportunity, I have pleaded with outstretched hands, I have offered to heal you and restore you, but you have refused me. Would he say that of you today, now? What would he say of you? If the fate of the world, if the fate of America hung on you, What would his decision be? You know, I have to tell you honestly today, I was up very early before daybreak this morning, and I was looking, reviewing all of the wickedness of my life as the Holy Spirit reminded me of areas that I had not remembered, not seen, not adequately confessed. Right now for me is a time of deep soul-searching, examination of my heart. And I have to tell you that if, if my life was the basis on whether God would destroy America or not, he would vote to destroy and one of the greatest sorrows of my life is the time I have wasted in foolish rebellion against God. I've talked to some men who have walked righteous before God, walking in the blessing of God all of their lives. I did not have that privilege because of my own wickedness in my own heart. Making decisions. I don't know. It'd be interesting for you to go through your life and write down every major decision that you have made that you can remember. And then write down the result of that decision. And did that decision result in destruction in your life and judgment? Or did it result in heaven drawing close, and love and peace and joy flowing in your heart. I've been doing that, writing those decisions down, reviewing them, and then asking the Lord to reveal the depths of why I made that decision when I made it that I could understand the motivations of my decisions and face honestly those decisions and say, were those of God or were they not of God? And when I look honestly at the decisions, some were wonderful decisions of righteousness and the resulting flow was blessing from Jesus. I've made other decisions that resulted in catastrophic loss for me and for my family. I don't want to make any more wrong decisions in my life. And I've had to walk through and say, okay, those motivations have to be utterly removed from my heart that I will never be tempted to go that way again. One of the decisions that I have on a number of occasions made is that everything is hopeless and barren and there's no way through and I'm going to die in this desert. Well, what's the motivation behind making such a decision? Pride. Pride in my own strength and my own ability and upset that I cannot manage my own life without Jesus. There is something in every man's heart that says, look, just let me have a chance, and I can handle this. I've come to the very clear conclusion, I cannot handle this. I need Jesus. If you're like me, you could quickly drown in despair at all of the foolish decisions you've made in your life. The Lord spoke to me very clearly in that audible, inaudible voice early in the week. And he said to me, Don't let your weakness cause you to sin against me. Don't let your weakness cause you to sin against me. Of course, I recognize that our weakness is the doorway or the avenue by which the Holy Spirit wants to enter our heart and our life because His strength is made perfect in our weakness. But if in the weakness, the weakness of discouragement, the weakness of whatever it is, if that weakness, I use poor decision-making and I go forward to take care of myself, to salve myself in the pain of that moment, I block the avenue and the highway that Jesus wants to have to access my life. And so I don't confess and I don't repent And I have pride in my heart. And then my weakness becomes my sin. A place of rebellion against God. A place of lust, a place of drunkenness, a place of anger, a place of bitterness, a place of judgment. Instead of a place of healing and love and joy in Jesus Christ. So we have to make very real choices about what is it that we really want from life. For these few brief years, we are fully into life. And so we can do our business, we can have our family, we can, we can go about our life as we choose. But if those decisions are based on our weakness and we are defensive, and we block the avenue of God that he would come and enter with healing in his wings, then our situation is quite hopeless. And pride blocks the presence of God from entering with healing and with righteousness. The power of God blocks. I'm wondering today, have you made decisions that you have to reverse Some decisions I cannot reverse. They have been set in stone. There are consequences for my decisions. And I now have to live with the consequences of what I've created. But there is, even in the consequences, the grace and mercy of Jesus, that he comes and heals the brokenness and shows me how the snare can be opened and I can walk free in the name of Jesus I am so grateful today that there is no snare, there is no trap that God cannot release his people from, and that he is not willing to release us from. And so, as the love of God is poured out, we either choose to block that love and continue in our pride and arrogance and hardness of heart, or we choose to submit to that love and allow Him to transform our situation. There are other decisions that I have made that are within my grasp yet, to reverse, to change, to alter. As the Holy Spirit speaks to me, I have to make that decision. Will I act on it? Or will I rebel? And finally, every decision becomes irreversible. And the consequences for those decisions begin to flood into our lives. And accompanying that is often misery, pain, sickness, brokenness, broken families. Every kind of wicked thing comes with decisions that were made that were not godly decisions that were made out of our pride, out of our defensiveness, out of our logic and our planning. Now, none of us in this room are without suffering now the consequences of some decisions we've made. And some of those decisions we wish with all of our heart we could go back and reverse. But those decisions are set in concrete. They cannot be reversed. Now we need Jesus to come in his grace and his mercy and deliver us from those poor decisions and open up a new path, a new way. And he is willing to do that. God looked down. He saw Noah. He said, Noah, build the ark. I wonder what Noah thought. Noah was a farmer. He raised crops. He was not a builder. He was not an architect. But God gave him the plan, told him how large to make it, told him exactly what he wanted done. Now, what's important for you to recognize is that this was an ark not a ship a ship has a rudder a ship has a the power of propulsion to move it this was an ark god had to be the rudder god had to be the power that moved it jesus christ is the ark We enter into that ark and he said, I will only say and I only will do what the Father in heaven tells me to say and what he tells me to do. So God was the power that moved the ark to the cross. Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. I want to just read this portion. Beginning with chapter 6 verse 17, for behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons, your wife, your sons' wives with you. There is an ark. It is Jesus. And either we enter into that ark, or all flesh will die by fire at the end of time. If you die before that time, you will still be faced with the judgment bar of God, and all who have walked in sin will be facing that fiery destruction. Here it was destruction by water. 19, of every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and the animals according to their kinds, of every creature creeping on the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come in so that you can keep them alive. Also, take with you every sort of food that is eaten and stored up, It shall serve as food for you and for them. And Noah did as he'd been commanded. And the Lord said to Noah, chapter 7, verse 1, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me. That is, you are innocent before me. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and the mate a pair of animals that are not clean, a male and its mate, seven pairs of the birds of the heavens. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights, and every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife, And his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Of clean animals and of animals that are not clean, and of birds and of everything that creeps on the ground, two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah. Now I find this fascinating. Chapter 7. Verse 14, they and every beast according to its kind and all the livestock according to their kind and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh in which there was a breath of life. They entered, male and female of all flesh went in. God had commanded him and the Lord shut them in. Now, what I find so fascinating is that Noah could not go out and collect these animals. There was not time. What would it mean for Noah to go out and search the earth for a specimen from every kind? I couldn't begin to do that if it took me a lifetime. You'd have to catch them and put them in cages. God didn't need to put them in cages. He fell upon them. And they began to march. It must have been an amazing sight to have that huge ark. Forty some feet tall. More than 200 feet long. 75 feet wide. A ramp coming up to the door. And here stands Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. They're in the door. And they look, and here comes a procession of animals, two by two. They come marching toward the ark. Can you imagine what the people were saying? They must have been astonished at this. The circus, without any circuit masters. Here the animals come. They come into the ark orderly. They each go to their assigned places that God has assigned them. You know the ark was three stories high, three floors. Well, you know the giraffe could not fit on any of those. So there had to be an open place in the middle of the ark where the elephants and the giraffes were. God ordered it all. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but please may I share my thoughts as I meditated on this? God's about ready to bring every kind of animal into the ark of safety to Jesus. He's going to bring the pigs. He's going to bring the snakes. He's going to bring the elephants and the giraffes. They all represent people. If I were to ask you this morning, what animal would you most identify with? You know, is, is Peter a lion? Or a tiger? Or a giraffe? You know, is Liberty a hippopotamus? A horse, a horse of course. Every one of us. We could say, okay, we're that kind of animal. And the call of God is upon us to come into that ark of safety. I wonder if some of the animals God calls said no. I wonder if some horses threw up their heads and galloped away and said, not for me, I'm not going in that stinky ark. I mean, you understand, it was going to smell in that ark. There was no flush bathrooms. Somebody had to use the the shovel to clear that ark every day. Please hear me. Hear my heart. All of us have made messes in our lives. And God has had to come and begin to clean those messes up. All of us have made decisions that were not good decisions. But by his grace and by his mercy, he calls us into the ark of safety. Will we turn our hearts to him and humble ourselves before him and under his mighty hand and say, yes, Lord, I hear your call. The story of Noah is without a doubt for me one of the most terrifying stories found in all of Scripture because it clearly depicts for us the wrath of God against all sin. It shows us the end of every person who walks in rebellion against the Most High God. It shows us there is only one place of security and safety and that is making the decision that I will enter fully into Jesus. And I will serve him. And if decisions have been made in the past that are locked in and I'm under the bitter grinding of those poor decisions. We serve a Jesus who heals and restores. We serve a Jesus who who knows how to take us through the storm. And not one person, let's be clear, not one person who says, I will follow Jesus, is not going to go into a huge storm. But the rudder will not be in your hands. And he will guide you through that storm. And he will bring you safely through that storm. The cry of my heart is, oh God, forgive me for those decisions that were so unwise and so destructive to me and to my family. Forgive me for my lack of judgment and understanding. And Lord, I am utterly given to serve you. And now I ask, please, for your healing, for your restoration for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for the word you've given. I pray now that as we open the floor for sharing, that you'll deal with each one of us, that our pride will be broken, that our lack of concern for the lost and the dying, whatever it is. Lord, deal with us today according to your mercy and your grace. I pray in your holy name. Amen.